Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanin Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton, and we have another dope jam-packed show for you. Wait for it. Today, it's Friday, so it's monologue day, and today we're blowing the top off of black sexuality. And you know how I like to bring in a panel of experts to discuss these tough topics and end each show with things that make you say, hmm... Today, we have none other than Brittany Brodus, who is a founder and CEO of the the Intimacy Firm and a Christian sexologist. I cannot wait to get into the details with Brittany. And also, we have my sister-in-love, Michelle Booker, who is a trainer, advisor, and a recent graduate and got her bachelor's in organizational science and master's in human sexuality and social work. So like I said, we've brought in the experts for this. This is part three of three of our podcast series this week. We started the week discussing the five headlines with our cousin of the program, Dr. Kamika Campbell. So if you have not listened to that yet, what you doing, Sean? What is you doing? Going ahead and do yourself a favor. Do your ears a favor and going ahead and listen to that. And then on Wednesday, we had our Newsmaker interview. So it was a great week of podcasting. And now we're talking about human sexuality, specifically black sexuality. But first, this monologue. All right, folks, buckle up, because today we're going to dive into a topic that's been as misunderstood as a cat trying to operate a can opener. African-American sexuality in America. Let's rewind to a not-so-distant past when America's view of African-American sexuality could only be described as struggling to find the right channel on an old TV. It was riddled with stereotypes, misconceptions, and a serious lack of nuance. It's a trap! Now fast forward to today, have we made some progress, but let's not pretend we've all of a sudden become experts on the matter. According to a report by the Gutmaster Institute in 2016, African-American women still face higher rates of unintended pregnancies and lower rates of contraceptive use compared to their white counterparts. It's like we're giving them a Rubik's Cube and then criticizing them for not solving it in record time. Oh, that's nasty. And let's talk about sex education, shall we? In 2019, the CDC reported that only nine states required instruction on both sex education and HIV education. It's like we're trying to swim with only one arm and a pool full of piranhas. I mean, seriously. But the real kicker here is the cultural stigma. African-American women have historically faced judgment and double standards. And let's not forget about the fetidization. Hollywood has had a long love affair with the exotic and hypersexualization portrayal of African-American women and their bodies. But here's the thing, folks. African-American women are not a monolith. They're as diverse and complex as a Shakespearean play with desires, preferences and dreams as unique as anyone else's. And it's almost like America has a habit of putting people into boxes, slapping labels on them, and then wondering why things get so darn cramped. But here's the good news, though. Times are changing. Conversations around sexual health, consent, and body autonomy are gaining momentum. Organizations like Pan Parenthood and the Black Woman's Health Imperative are working tirelessly to break down these barriers. And we've got incredible activists like Tarana Burke, the founder of the Me Too movement, who've been a beacon of empowerment and healing. So what's the takeaway here? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's that we need to listen, learn, and challenge our own assumptions and misconceptions. We can't continue to put people in boxes, especially when it comes to something as personal and individual as sexuality. He's right, you know. So let's celebrate the richness and diversity of the human experience. And remember, it's not about fitting into someone else's mold. It's about embracing who we are authentically and unapologetically. Thank you. And let's keep working towards a world where everyone's sexuality is celebrated, respected, and understood. And now, on to our panel.
I hope you enjoyed our recent monologue. And for more information on this monologue or any other monologue you heard, you can email me at Marquise underscore Lupton at WITF.org. Again, that's Marquise underscore Lupton at WITF.org. I would like to thank you once again for tuning in to The Melanin Report. You could be listening to any other podcast right now, and we appreciate you taking the time to make us a part of your day. The best thing that you can do right now is share this podcast with a friend because friends don't let friends the Melanin Report alone. Again, our panelists today are Brittany Brodus and... Michelle Booker, my sister-in-love. What's going on, y'all? How are you doing today? Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> I am. I am. I am doing all right. I'm doing all right. Brittany, how about yourself? How are you doing today? I am doing well. Tired. <laughs> well, well, um, for... First and foremost, uh, I am I am honored to have you both on here um, and and to give us your expertise on this. Uh, so um, before we get into the monologue, uh, Brittany, uh, you are the founder and CEO of the Intimacy Firm. Uh, I have two questions here. What is the Intimacy Firm? And you also are a Christian sexologist. What is that? <laughs> so the Intimacy Firm is the um business slash ministry that I founded in 2016. It is a faith-based sexuality education and intimacy consulting agency where I work to bridge the gap between the science and scripture of human sexuality, helping you know individuals navigate and embrace who they are as sexual beings without mm. compromising their values. So and that's the work that I do as a Christian sexologist is, you know, there's the part, the sexologist, which is an expert in the study of human sexuality. I do that. But through the lens of the Holy Bible. Oh, man, Brittany, I will tell you this. Uh, we may have to have you come back on because that sounds like a show within itself. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Oh, all right. All right. Well, uh, uh uh, kick back, make yourself feel comfortable because we are definitely going to get into it. Accompanying Brittany is again, like I said, my sister in love, Michelle Booker. Michelle, what's going on? Nothing much, Mark. I'm so first, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for asking me, but I'm also honored to be on a panel with Brittany. Oh my goodness. Like she is <laughs> me, like world renowned. I don't care what anyone else says. But um, I listen to her, I, I learn from her, and I'm just so honored to be able to be in the same space um, that she's in talking about this topic, um, you know, getting into the field of human sexuality. Um, one of my goals is to be a sex therapist, mm. to work with individuals who are dealing with erectile dysfunction um, and different sexual issues mm. so i have a lot of information that i'm ready to share with the world i can't wait to see what i can get into especially with research and how we could um make it possible for people to be educated mm. around the topic of erectile dysfunction what it does um and how i really do just believe that it's due to miseducation yeah um at, at a certain point and how we could make it better for everyone you know one of my biggest things is helping to bridge the orgasm gap so help those who are in need let's do so oh man i am i, I am more than sure there's going to be a couple folks that are going to listen to that and be like yes yes bridge that gap bridge that gap uh so um we we are going to get uh, right, right into it again. I appreciate y'all um, coming in to talk about this because this is one of those topics that people feel feel shamed um, to talk about. Uh, we know that um, America can be prudish uh, at times, um, especially when you bring in uh, religion and sexuality and, and, and all that. Uh, so, again, I I really appreciate you all. Uh, giving us your expertise. So we just heard the monologue. Uh, so let's let's start right there. And and Brittany, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, some of your some of your thoughts on the monologue uh, and your expertise with black sexuality. Yeah, I think it highlighted some uh, crucial points about what the black experience as it relates to human sexuality is, mm. particularly 
the stereotypes and the misnomers and this and really the hyper sexualization of black bodies mm. from childhood right we our babies are not given the opportunity to be children to be innocent we see that in the bedroom as much as we see it out you know in the street with mm. uh, law enforcement and things of that that nature and a lot of it though placed upon us is also perpetuated by us unfortunately when you have for example the idea that young girls are fast right mm. or um this you know the conversation about whether or not um, a young girl had begun to have sex or not because their hips had begun to spread once they reached puberty mm. and in in you know in the year of our lord 2023 we're still talking about hymens and whether that means that means anything in purity culture and respectability politics and all of that kind of taking us away from the purity and the beauty of human sexuality and really the expansiveness of human sexuality right beyond the as uh, my colleague dr lex brown james says beyond the first three letters we don't understand hum human sexuality as an umbrella mm. a comprehensive experience that includes what you do with your genitals but also not <laughs> the function of them you know the anatomy the physiology all of those things and all, and our issues with that kind of began when we started nicknaming body parts right mm. when we shoulders knees toes pocketbooks and that's where and from there many of our concerns you know um began but also or not even really began, many of our concerns are perpetuated, but also we have to recognize how the hypersexualization is connected to white supremacy and the mm. transatlantic trade and, you know, the raping and pillaging of our ancestors and all of the things we were brought here to you consumed. And, yeah, so that's what I, that's oh, all man. of those so much more is what came to mind when reading through the uh, the monologue. Oh man, oh man, I have uh, I have some um, uh, follow up questions. You uh, definitely jumped it off well uh, for for us today. So, Michelle, um, your reaction to the monologue piece? My reaction, I think that um, as I was listening, I can really. The one thing that stood out so much was talking about how women have the, not just the stereotypes, but then also how we're not able to like be ourselves mm. and, and be able to use our narratives as defining our sexuality, um, what it looks like for us, um, how it feels for us. So we have a lot of other people telling our narratives. So um, even when you have someone saying um using stereotypes that someone else putting those stereotypes on you or when you have someone hypersexualizing you that's someone else putting everything on you mm. but it's not we don't often speak about our voices when it comes to how we feel about these things happening to us so even as i was listening when you go to the you was talking about the fetishization of um African-Americans, especially within movies and, you know, the we have a certain type of woman that's portrayed often over and over and over again mm. inside movies. You know, we're looking at making sure that she has a certain hip size, a certain breast size. Um, her her bottom is looking a certain way, very voluptuous. And then we are we want to show all of that to be enticing. But depending on what type of movie you're watching, then we want to cover it all up and it's not ashamed or mm. um, depending on how how it looks. If you're too big, it's a shame for you to have that um, out that outfit on or mm. you cannot be sexual um, due to your size. So the fetishization of it, that part just made me start thinking of all the different nuances that go into movies mm. that go into media um that shows up on you know in in so many different platforms when we're talking about our young women 
and being able to see themselves and seeing representation mm. um, in a positive manner, depending on what you consider to be positive. Um, so I really was just thinking about that, even when it comes down to, I know we're talking about women, but um, even when it comes down to men, men and women in movies are portrayed so differently. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nothing big for a man to take his shirt off and that to be the, the scene and the highlight of everything. Mm -hmm. and she takes her shirt off and then there's a whole nother line of questions, um, concerns, <laughs> issues, comments that come along um, with that. And it's all about, about freedom mm -hmm. uh, and the freedom to be able to express yourself. Um, as authentically as you would like to for yourself, but we get we get called so many different things. So um, it's just that's what my mind went to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was so much in the monologue, <laughs> um, but Brittany touched on a lot of it already, especially with our young women and the ability to be children um, and looking at sexuality beyond the first three letters. So. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. I don't know if it's enough to talk about. <laughs> You all, um, um, uh, Brittany, you you uh, uh, brought up uh, the black experience um, and 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 the sexualize and the sexualization of of young black bodies. Uh, so, um, uh, in your opinion, why do you think that there's a a difference uh, with young black um young black girls with their bodies and young white girls with theirs? Well, because young young black girls are seen as black women in smaller frames and black women as we know are the most disrespected and disregarded mm -hmm. humans on earth so it's just by proxy of their connection to us which eventually they will one day be us so it's just a preemptive attack on their existence and they they don't they're not seen as human they're seen as something to as objects that can be used consumed mm. profited off of you know and the same way not uh considered to be one who experiences pain in any way shape or form can't be you know a victim of anything all of that we're responsible for everything that comes our way and and that starts from birth mm. so as much as and damaging as the you know maternal mortality rate among black women we have, you know, mothers dying. We also have babies dying as well. And black babies are are not cared about. So then young black girls are not cared about. And then they grow up to be women, black women who are not cared about. Mm. So then, um, uh, Brittany, this um, this this male uh, fetishization, um, does this hinder sexual freedom for black women? Absolutely. Because when you are the object of someone's fetish, you are placed in a box. You are mm. forced to, to be, or sh either you are showing up to meet the, whatever this idea of you that they've created, or you are forced to um, function opposite of that. But in all ways, it still controls you, right? You have to actively work to, not be controlled or managed by, as uh, Michelle was saying, these external forces or the external ideas that say you are this or you are that or you are the other thing or you have to be this, it has to be that or the other thing. You don't get to just exist. Black women mm. always have to perform, always have to show up, always have to contort and to fit into these boxes and spaces. A lot of times for safety, um, a lot of times for acceptance. And so when the male gaze, um, the black male gaze, white male gaze, just the male gaze in general has such a powerful, uh, uh, what is it, contortioning power, right? Like mm. you, a lot of our society is hinged upon what men want. And some people feel are, aren't able to sidestep that, that, that force and then bend to the will of what capitalism and those in power say they need to be mm. oh, um Brittany, i think that you're in my notes because um <laughs> uh the the male gaze uh was going to be my my next question uh so this is uh for you michelle uh is, is there pressure uh to appease the male gaze there's always pressure 
because you, it depends on the purpose of what is being done and why it's being done. Mm. There is always some type of pressure. So if you want to, if you want to make it in certain places, in certain industries, if you want to um, be profitable, if you want to, you're always conforming to the male gaze of some sort. And it doesn't even have to be so sexual, whereas we're talking about um, pornography or when we're talking about um, movies or anything like that, but just even inside our workspaces. Mm. You know, we are confronted with the male gaze at on multiple levels that we have to deal with. Yeah. And the way that we have to deal with it, um, you know, I know the Me Too movement came out and people were talking and um, discussing, but they were listening to a lot of people, but I still don't believe a lot of black voices were being heard. Mm. Um, you know, when there are issues of, about women um, trying to confront certain issues, a lot of times our voices aren't the ones that's being heard. Mm. So we have a lot of pressure when it comes to that male gaze. If you, when you are trying to be yourself, you can't. How how do you be yourself trying, like Brittany said, trying to conform to what someone else wants? Yeah. That pressure is mentally draining. Mm. And you can take on so many mental issues trying to conform to what someone else wants you to be or their desire or or to make it possible for you to be desired back. You're trying, women are going out of their way um, at times trying to fit into these boxes mm. of what is expected of them. Right, right. I've, um, uh, um, I've heard, I've heard um, many people say, uh, you brought up the Me Too movement. I heard many people say that if, if R. Kelly was doing that to a bunch of white women, uh, that he 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 wouldn't have have lasted uh, this this long um, as as long as he did. So that is that is a very very interesting point. Uh, so Michelle, for for yourself, even even as a married woman, do you uh, still feel that pressure um, to 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 look a certain way while being in the workplace? You know, it is pressure, and I would like to say that it is just external from other races, mm. but it's not. Um, because that pressure also comes from, you know, what's ex the expectation of what we believe is beautiful, mm. what we believe is acceptable, and what we believe is um, professional, mm. which is professionalism is just another white supremacist aspect, but um, when you're talking about, you know, our hair, is it okay for us to wear our hair natural versus our hair being straight? There, not everybody, even, you know, even our skin folk are not all um, accepting to natural hair. Right. Or, or locks or, you know, it's just not always acceptable. So, um, for to everyone, um, so you're always still have that pressure, even as a married woman, trying to um, decide how much you're going to allow it to be pressure. Mm. You know, if you're going to um, walk to the tune of your own drum, or are you going to try to conform to what everyone's else expectations? I don't have that pressure. Let me tell you about <laughs> it. Because <laughs> I am going to be who I am, regardless. I've taking a nice journey with me and Christ and I've loved myself so doggone much that it really doesn't even matter mm. what someone else think or says, but everybody doesn't feel that way. Especially our young women um, is so much out here in social media that makes them feel like they need to conform to certain ways, to the gaze of males, to the, the, to the expectancies of what society is saying is beautiful. Mm. So that pressure is always there. And right now, especially with our young people, I'm so concerned um, for their mental health because of that. Yeah. Like everything's so about social media, what's accepted, um, what is beautiful, um, who do I need to dress up for, who do yeah. I need to look good for? Um, and it's, taking the the focus is taken off of self self-love and self-appreciation um so that always concerns me and um 
Yeah, the pressure is real, regardless mm. whether you're married or you're single. The pressure is real. Uh, and um, uh, Brittany, uh, for for you and your business and your clients, um, how do you teach folks to take hold of their sexuality? Absolutely. So I have I created a program called Naked and Unashamed. It is a six session um, intensive program complete with a full curriculum to do just that. It's building sexual confidence as particularly um, a Christian woman. And it was designed for black women, but any um, any woman from a marginalized group could benefit from it because mm. it comes from the ends of here's what from a Christian's perspective, what God designed you as, what God honors, what God supports and created in you. And here's what society says about you. And then what? how do you move, how you navigate when what you think, what you feel, what you um, value and what you see when they all don't line up, how do you behave? Mm. And so it's important to really take it to for me, the scripture first, but then also the science. A lot of what we see is just on here, particularly on social media, is just not true. <laughs> like it really a lot of the weight, shame, guilt, pressure that uh, we carry, especially as black women, is rooted in a lot of times these generational and societally upheld myths that really are Googleable. Mm. Google and that with a good, you know, just baseline research with someone with some sound judgment to see it's not really true. Mm. Like you, you know what I mean? Like even just like these, these ideas of, you know, being loose or, you know, as it relates to like, you know, vaginal elasticity and, you know, things like that, loose versus tight, or, you know, understanding basic knowledge shows or even when you think about pelvic, pelvic floor health you want a strong pelvic floor or a strong vagina, not a, a tight one, because a tight one shows that there's some type of pelvic floor dysfunction, and that's not anything to aspire to, mm. right? And, you know, rap music, or I mean, not even rap music, um, music in general perpetuate these um, harmful sexual and relational stereotypes that really, if we just really get down to the science of the thing, whether you are a Christian or not, you'll see that, yeah, maybe this is not anything that I should aspire to because it's harmful and it's not even realistic when we think about penis size mm -hmm. and how, we, you know, and the language about beating it up and all these like, you know, violent metaphors as it relates to sex when in real life, nine inch penises are not a, you know, not commonly a thing. They exist. But they're not running around in high numbers like folks <laughs> like to think. Mm. We round up on average about five and a half, five point six, seven, like you know, roundabout, and that's fully ready to go. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And so when you have, and that's important because men feed into those stereotypes, Indeed. and then men they show off and they pull up for other men. Like that's how strong the male gaze is. The men that speak on their bodies and their their uh, body parts and their money and their this they're not doing it for us they're doing it for one another that is so true and they show up for the male gaze as well and then women unfortunately feel led to contort so that we can get the one that right if, if a man is liked by other men then that's the man that the woman wants mm. and so and we become the woman that that man wants oh man so, yeah you're going please please continue so that's so the work that I do is to kind of like I lay all of that out. Like I let's call the spade a spade. Let's let's speak truth to the power that these myths have on our lives. And then from there we can build out or walk do a walkthrough into what you want your life, particularly your sex life, to really look like. What does I, I speak about um curating a culture of sexual excellence in mm. your marriage is what does that look like for you? Is it missionary three days a week? Sure. Well, go on. If it, if you are trying to explore where your Christian ethics lie and, you know, BDSM and kink, let's talk it out. But you know what I mean? But making sure that you are not pursuing dreams, interests, desires that have been handed to you by mass media and groupthink. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, you know, I... 
I would like to take credit uh, for for booking you all. Uh, but um, <laughs> this is this is uh, like I constantly say, um, and and you, the listener that constantly listens to this, I know that you constantly heard me say this. But this is the smartest thing on audio right now. I mean, the uh, uh, knowledge that y'all bring. I mean, I. I could never, but I booked y'all, so I guess I can. Let me pat myself on the back uh, f- for that. But uh, um, in, in all seriousness here, um, you set a bar right there, Brittany. Uh, and, and I'm going to uh, take this next one to you, Michelle. Um, you set a bar right there, uh, basically saying that uh, sex, sex, um, the, the uh, language around sex equates to violence and 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 as a male um i could i i, I couldn't agree more I, I i mean like uh we've we've talked about this in the past like what are some of the synonyms for sex you got oh i ripped um i beat i smashed like that's that that's all violent activity and and there's power in words so you you know you you rarely hear um, I'm, I'm a part of a fraternity. So there has never been a time that somebody said we made love last night. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> no, no, nobody. And jokes may have flown if, if somebody said, you know, oh, well, we made, we made love last night. We had coitus, you know, like there's, there's, there's no room for, you know, at, at, at least for, for young black male language, uh, growing up, uh, there wasn't any room for like the beautiful aspect of sexual activity. So Michelle, um, is there a societal problem with that? Because there's no, you know, beauty in sex, so to speak. Well, yes, is you know, I was, this reminds me of a comment that Tink um, stated and he was like, he loves to sing ballads and he mm. loves to sing love songs. He loves to sing beautiful um, songs about the beautifulness of everything. He said, but no one will give him a shot with singing about that. Mm. He said, so it wasn't until he started singing about as much nasty stuff as he could sing about the songs that get the air time. He said, it wasn't until then when he started like really making it wow. into become something. So that tells you everything right there. It's the music industry um, is, and that helps to set the stage mm. for everything. So the problem is what we're taking in, is the education, the lack of education and uh, you know what we are taking as you know, like you said, even for the fraternities, like, oh, I beat it, I smashed it, I hit it. I, all of that sounds like something exciting, mm. you know, sounds like, oh, I aspire to do that. That's what I want. I want to be like that person. So then the next one, like, oh, yeah, well, I hit it. I banged it. I smashed it. I killed it. And then we even got the our women, you know, they want to be hit, smashed, banged, mm. killed. You know, um, I was listening to a song and it says, um, I want to make that pussy cry. And I'm listening to it and I'm just driving. I'm like, you know, I'm grooving to it. And I said, wait a minute. So why why does it have to cry? <laughs> right. Why so violent? <laughs> why, why, why must it cry? Do it have to cry? Like it, it can't just purr or moan or you know, <laughs> enjoy something that it has to cry? Yeah. Um, so it was just like, you know, that's what is at the highlight of everybody's expectation mm. Is, is the violence. Yeah. It's the violence, but it, it goes so much further than just the language that we speak to than the activity in our bedrooms. Mm. You know, because unfortunately, people are not learning from their pleasurable experiences. They're learning from pornography. They're learning from music. They're learning from media and TV and out, other outlets um, outside of themselves is what should be expected in a bedroom. Mm. So it is a problem <laughs> because yeah. because of that, we got people faking things, faking right. orgasms, um, faking their emotions, you know, just a whole bunch of faking going on. And we're not pleasure centered at all. So, 
Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> now, how do we handle this problem? We need some education. We need some people to, to um, be open and willing to get some education, like Brittany said, around some facts. You know, some things are just, like she said, researchable. You know, listen to somebody. Let's talk about this. Why are we beating it up? <laughs> now, let's have some decent conversations. Uh, but we really don't want to... I haven't seen too many of us having those conversations. So I'm always excited, especially when I see Brittany um, host her different type of conversations around those topics. Um, and people are listening and talking about it. So I think we need to do more of that. We need to have conversations about things that we are not talking about. Mm. Uh, and um, uh, this is th this is my last question here um, be be before we take it to uh, things to make you say, hmm. And I'm going uh, um, start with you. Michelle, so uh, how how can we become more knowledgeable about sex, sexuality, and how to use our bodies? Mm. Why that question got be so loaded? I <laughs> will <laughs> <laughs> um, I will take this route. I will say to look inward. Mm. What you need about your body, your body would tell you. Mm. Your body, if we take a moment to truly, you know, listen to ourselves, listen to what feels good, listen to um, our desires, listen to what we have wants of for ourselves and to remove all external factors, I, I believe that we'll be able to um, live a pleasurable sexual life. Mm. So I think that education starts inward with being honest um, because we can take information from so many places, um, but ultimately you do need to know a little bit about yourself before you go out here, start learning too much about everything from everyone else aspect. And then their beliefs, their ideals, they all of that helps to shape who you are. Um, start asking some questions for yourself about yourself first. Mm. Uh, and then you'll be able to take in information, you know, go to a class. Don't be opposed to therapy. Don't be opposed <laughs> to, because uh, you know our community. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, indeed. <laughs> Don't be opposed to reaching out for education. Don't be opposed to picking up a book, um, you know, especially books that are written by black people mm. about experiences. Our narratives are important um, because it's through a different lens. So reading our narratives will help help us also shape our ideas about ourselves as well. So education can come in many formats, but I think it begins with looking inward. Oh, I love that. Looking, looking inward. I love that. Uh, so, Brittany, uh, same same question. How can we become more knowledgeable? I definitely echo everything um, Michelle said. Like, um, like I said a bit earlier, a lot of the weight that we carry would be relieved with just good education. Right. We even for us personally as adults for the weight and concern that we carry for our young people. Statistics show that young people who have access to comprehensive sex ed are more likely to delay sexual initiation. And mm. the age at which young people begin to have sex is such a big topic and a hot topic in our community that we know that young people are having sex younger and younger and people who also don't have access to comprehensive sex ed are more likely to participate in risky sexual behaviors. Mm. And so want to address those concerns and be able to uh, develop and rear and really support uh, bodily autonomy and agency and healthy relationships and all the things that are such hot button topics for us, for young people that eventually become, you know, whole and healed adults, we need to start with what information we provide to them in the beginning by way of education, because, you know, you learn well, we learn from things that are said as much as we learn from things that are not said. So mm. when we go out of our way to have these conversations and then at the same, keep that same energy and go out of our way not to have these per other particular conversations. We are teaching young people and adults 
certain things and then people begin to conform with what is popular. Social media on being on a rise, we need to be able to create spaces where, where we are combating the nonsense that sells. Like capitalism is always going to reign supreme and they don't care if it's medically or factually accurate. Yeah. As long as it reached the level of virality that is necessary to get, hit their bottom line, they're only focused on remaining in the black and not helping or healing or any of those things. So that's really what we need to start with is the education piece and really the empowerment piece right behind to empower young people, adults, all people that you are inherently worthy and valuable just as you are fearfully and wonderfully made, created to be good and well. And you just what if you blink and breathe, regardless of what you've done, what you've been through, what happened to you, who you what you are in the path as recently as last night, mm. you are still valuable and worthy of support and honor and respect. Oh man, I am again, I am I am honored um to have you both on this panel, um, I will make a confession here. I lied all show. Um, I said that I booked you all. That was actually my wife that did. Uh, so just wanted to come clean uh, and and uh, say that because uh, this this definitely was uh, Whitney's idea to bring you two together. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that she made that uh, suggestion. Hey, wife, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm glad that she made that. Uh, suggestion because this has been nothing, nothing short of of, of amazing, and I wish I had an hour uh, to spend with y'all because I still have about uh, seventeen more questions. Uh, but we'll just have to get to that next time because we're coming up on that time. So we're going to make a shift here, and for our last five minutes, going to uh, participate in things that make you say, hmm. So these are some hypotheticals. These are some questions entrenched in the culture. Uh, so first question, what's the one thing your grandma always had in her purse? A, gum, B, tissue, C, mitts and candy, or D, a pistol? Mints and candy. <laughs> Mints and candy. All right. <laughs> How about you, Brittany? Not a pistol. Um, <laughs> tissue for my grandma. Tissue. All right. Uh, I was I was thinking about this. Um, did did your grandmothers have um have the strawberry candy? I don't know if it was actually like like, like strawberries, but but it was red. But the outer the outer wrap was like strawberry. You know, it looked like a strawberry. <laughs> Right, right. That's the candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they all got together, the grandmother convention, and was like, all right, we're going to put these caramels and these strawberries in our purses. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I said, Grandma, I'm hungry. She was like, I got you, baby, and <laughs> gave me one of those. Uh, so um, here's another one. How long does a Baptist church service last on Sunday? A, two <laughs> hours. B, four hours, C, all day, or D, when the pastor says so? D. <laughs> <laughs> what say you, Michelle? Yeah, I'm going to say D. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was uh, uh, one, of those, one of those things that would always get me uh, younger in church when um, when when the elders would yell out, uh, take your time, pastor. And I'm like, I thought he was already taking his time. <laughs> I don't think not once church was rushed. So uh, he doesn't need that kind of support. No, and not, not that do I have two minutes. <laughs> I'm like, you said two minutes, 30 minutes ago. <laughs> the math ain't math and past it. <laughs> That's church math. Uh, right, right. <laughs> church, church, church math is, is uh, honestly, church math is very similar to black math. Because when you say that you're around the corner, uh, I'll be there in five minutes. You know, we're leaving in 10 minutes. You know, well, well, the leaving in 10, that might be real. <laughs> that 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 might be real. Uh, but but the other ones. Yes, 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 indeed. So our our last question here uh, before we close it out. Um, what's something your mama told you to do that she can do herself? 
A, take the chicken out. B, turn the light out. C, watch her kids. D, go to the store. E, <laughs> Above. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so Wait a minute, also add grab the remote. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. No, no fight. My mom would call me from outside. Oh man. <laughs> and yell from her bed out the window to come in from outside. Yeah. To do any manner of those things. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom. My oddly enough, oddly enough. Um, every time I go see my mom, uh, she tries to cash in on 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 those things that uh that she can't do anymore because she lives alone. So she got to do everything herself. So when we come, she's like, "Oh, this is this is vacation. Hey, take that chicken out." I'm like, "Weren't you in your house all day?" <laughs> But oh, mom, Sherry, we we love you. Um, yeah, yeah. But that is that is hilarious. Uh, so, uh, M- Michelle, Brittany, Brittany, Michelle, I would like to thank you again for joining us on the Melanin Report. Uh, I hope that this isn't the last time that you all come on. Uh, I I feel like this isn't even a scratch on the surface. This is this is like blowing off the dust. <sighs> You know, we we didn't even get to, you know, the prelude yet. So. um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, some more conversations moving forward. Um, Is there anything that you all would like to say before we head on out? This was a great conversation, and I just thank you for the opportunity. And I know what Michelle said in the beginning, but the honor is all mine to (laughs) share with such a talented and brilliant mind such as hers. And I can't wait to December so the rest of the world can see what I see. Oh, thank you so much, Brittany. I'm so excited. I I really enjoyed this conversation. And I enjoy also being able to um, just talk about topics that we do not talk about in our community as often as we should. And being able to have the audience of those who would not normally um, get into these type of conversations mm. in this way, you know, because we do, we get into conversations about sexuality, but it's not always um, in a way that's beneficial for 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 our people. Um, so I'm really excited to be able to have done this um, with you, Marquise. Thank you for inviting me, and especially with you, Brittany. I look forward to being your colleague <laughs> in the field. <laughs> oh man, dig it, dig it. Well, that that concludes part three of our podcast series this week with our panel discussion and monologue. I want to thank again Michelle and Brittany for joining us on the Melanin Report. So, in the words of James Baldwin, to let you go on this lovely day, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. I'm Marquise Lupton. This is The Melanin Report. Trust your dopeness, and I'll see you on the other side. God bless anyone within the sound of my voice. This is Dr. Vega. My heart and prayers go out to all that have been affected by the Rona-19. Rest in peace to my cousin, Sonny. Rest in peace to Fred the God. The Wolf, thank you, brethren. Much respect. This song's purpose is to bring inspiration, healing, and hope to the world. We will survive, baby. Stay strong. Keep the hope. Keep the faith. And remember, quitting is not an option. Let's go, Wolf. Let's go. Coming from a soul, I got to move quick. 
You can't fool some, you cannot fool This, my respect on the loose It, my people, them need another chance Who open the door, give a room and make a dance Always to be blamed, we all know it's your fault We survive your disease, we give you what you ask Yeah, God is in charge, him saving best for last Wicked man, make this prize a show, love to my people Someone tell me what these man really come to Cause if you need them, they ain't gonna trip you So anywhere you go, them can't chuck you Lord have mercy, wicked man are thirsty Alright, we are the one that survive We are the one that love life Alright, we are the one that kill We are the one who shrill Alright, those are the man that hate life Those are the ones who kill Christ Food must be clean before you consume it. What going on now? Been happening for years. Clear cleaners on this earth. Change your dirty ways. Crying for the patient. Feel it for the nurses. COVID 19. Really the worst. Time to be strong. Don't be nervous. We put God first so we know them can't hurt us. Six foot away. Six is real. No. Wolfman know that that time they reveal. Who can't hear? They will feel. We now run. Just kneel. Many more is gonna suffer, many more is gonna die When the smoke is clear, many more is gonna try Leave us alone, get the hell out of earth Open the job, cause we need to go to work Alright, we are the one that survive We are the one that love life Alright, those are the ones who don't care Those are the man who shoot spears Them only bad with iron in them and God must shield in the greatest one We are living in a revelation Get ready, let's march this again Them only bad with iron in them and God must shield the greatest one We are living in a revelation Push Everything gonna be alright God must shield everything gonna nice Just keep the faith inside Press along with your by your side